Hey y'all, this is Moni. And this is Kat. Hey Kat. And, and this, this is, is the, the Fake Ass Book Club. Wait, can we both say it or no? All right, guys. This is your girl Moni. And this is Kat. So we're back for a fun episode. I'm super excited because we do have a book that was not on my radar, but I'm excited to talk about today, which is Scary Close. The act, the drop, dropping the act and finding true intimacy by Donald Miller. So how, how excited are you, uh, Kat, to talk about this book? I'm, I'm at about an 8.3. Okay. All right. Listen, it's, it's more about us being here. We always tell you guys this, it's less about the books and more about the, you know, we got together, we made it, we pulled our lives together to do the podcast. So that's always the most important thing. Um, I'm going to read you guys a movie trailer statement about the book. So cue the music. Scary Close is a book about the risk involved in choosing to impress fewer people and connect with more. About the freedom that comes when you stop the act and start loving. It's a story about knocking down old walls to create a healthy mind, a strong family, and a satisfying career. I mean, who doesn't want that? I want that. I, I, I wouldn't mind having that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm working on it every day, actually. So this is really, this is really, really good. Um... Before we kind of get into the book, every episode, you guys, we always like to dedicate it to our listeners. So shout out to you guys. We appreciate you coming back every week. And if you're new, thank you for checking us out. Also, um, I just want to shout out anybody doing something outside of their comfort zone. Because, you know, we get stuck in the same routine all of the time and it can be hard to put yourself out there. So anybody learning something new, anybody... Um, you know, stretching themselves to become a better version of themselves. Shout out to you. Um, what about you, friend? Yes, and to that dedication. And also, um, I wanted to dedicate this episode to my son, DeAndre. I got to spend ah. uh, his spring break. He came down for a spring break, and it was just really <clears throat> fantastic. I just admire him. I never was expecting to admire my children, but he is someone, you want to talk about authenticity. Like I get so many, he's so much wiser than me in so many ways. It's weird. So this one's for That's him. Beautiful. Dedication well, shout over. Shout out to you for doing a good job. Thank you. you know, like, Thank you. You know, the fruits of your labor. Yeah. That's what's up. Shout out to you, DeAndre. We love you. So today we do have a guest and I'm super excited to introduce him to you. We have um, Chris Spangle. You guys may know him from the Pat Down with Miss Pat and Dion Curry. He's also the digital director at the Bob and Tom show and a freelance podcast host, producer and consultant of We Are Libertarians and Legends and Leaders with Robert Vane. Like, let's talk about the resume here. All right. Welcome, Chris. Fake hey. ass. Welcome to you. Yay! Thank, Thank you. Coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes. It's been great to get to know you guys over the last year. And I'm so proud of the podcast that you put together since we first talked about it. It's so yeah. fun and and love everything you're doing and i'm a huge book nerd as you can tell by my background so hey um we like very it. excited yeah yes thank you for being here um it's and so and for all the listeners if you do enjoy our podcast chris um was very instrumental in us having the confidence to do this and giving us a lot of really important pointers so really happy to have you here and you guys are so well prepared and have production meetings and way more <laughs> professional than my podcast. So it's really cool to see. Well, you have 75 of them. We just have That's the true. one so we can like, it's like our only child. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, with that being said too, uh, Chris, it 
So what made you say yes? Like when I reached out to ask you about being on this podcast, you know, enlighten me on why you decided to come join us today. Well, I I remember being a baby podcaster back in 2007, 2008, and started my show, The Chris Spangle Show, in 2012. It just celebrated its 10th anniversary. And in those early days, you, you like, you're so excited if somebody says yes. You know, so I always really try to remember like those baby podcaster days when I was starting out. And uh, if I have any clout, I want to lend it to people that I think do a really good job and, you know, help promote you and help bring some of my listeners to you guys because I've watched your social media and see what you guys do. And, and we had a conversation for an hour or so about a year ago. And your whole goal is more literacy like it's the same exact goal that i have with my show the chris spangle show like i read all the time i'm i'm constantly trying to learn i'm trying to get other people to read more challenging them to to get into books uh because it's so much healthier than just like constantly reading social media and the news and um so i really believe in your mission and i think you guys do such a fun job with it and i think you're both delightful and we talk on instagram all the time and uh, I always enjoy the dialogue with with both of you individually. So it's awesome. it's an on like for me, it's an honor to be invited on your show. So I wouldn't, wow. you know, like I I view it like, oh, somebody wants to talk to me. That's so nice. I hope everyone's enjoying this love fest. Thank you. <laughs> this is like, oh my god, tell us more, Chris. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. But no, that's well, great. the check was the do. check was very healthy. So I've got five more. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's how it, it, it's coming off. But generally, we really do uh, respect and admire each other. So that's why it's like this. Yeah. Yes, but we do. So thank you again for being here. Um, so before we get into the book, uh, I kind of wanted to. So we had your co-host Dion Curry on our show. So he came through. I want to say it was the it was in December, toward the end of last year. He picked a book. Cat hated it more. I, I like to put it on her. She hated it so much more than me that I don't yeah. have to talk about the fact that I, I mean it was cool. It was all right, but um, he was really fun to talk to. And so we did this game with him before. Um, we started talking about the like actual book and stuff like that. So we basically asked him a would you rather question. So I wanted to do this really quickly uh, before we talk about the book he picked. Um, So Kat, did you find one for him too? I I did. I made a custom. Would you rather? You did. I did too. Okay. Okay. So So, Chris, you go first, Chris, (laughs) would you rather be in a dance contest with Miss Pat or would you want to compete in a roast battle with Dion? So, like, I'm going up against Miss Pat in a dance contest? No, she's your partner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I could compete with Dion in a roast battle in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I know that I can't dance, and I know that I have hips like rocks. Like, uh, and Miss, But Miss Pat is actually a pretty good dancer. Um, she, she's got, uh, she's got some moves. Like she was just in a dodgeball tournament and you watch her dodging these dodgeballs <laughs> like bullets. Uh, I, I, I would much rather be in a dance competition and do something that I absolutely hate, which is dancing much to my wife's, uh, she hates that I don't like to dance Aww. cause she's such a dancer, but, um, <laughs> like I'd rather do that. Cause I don't think I could, I think I would be more embarrassed by trying to compete against Dion in a roast battle than I would in a dance competition. Okay, that was very logical and well thought out. That was the correct answer. Yes. I know. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Got that right. <laughs> Three points for Chris. Um, right. 
So I actually have a, another custom question for Chris too. So my question would be, and it involves Miss Pat because <clears throat> we had to do it. But would you rather spend seven days, like a full week, selling crack with Miss Pat, <laughs> like back in her heyday, or would you rather let your worst enemy manage your social media accounts, all of them, for like seven days straight, but with no oh, interference? I see, from like, you? because all right, so maybe this is weird, but to okay. me, letting somebody manage my social media that doesn't like me is a bad thing. Selling crack with Miss Pat for a week is a good thing. So, like. <laughs> I don't see those as like morally both bad. Like I, uh, as a libertarian, you should be free to sell crack if you want. Uh, obviously, but you shouldn't. Um, I love <laughs> I love characters. I have always loved weird, interesting people. My dad ran a janitorial service when I was a kid, so I spent a lot of time with the employees who were all like very quirky and weird. Like, I always loved Howard Stern's, like, Whack Pack. Like, I just, I love interesting people. Um, and I think it would be so much fun to spend a, a week on the street with Miss Pat talking to, like, all these interesting people that I don't necessarily know. Like, I like to invade spaces that I don't really have awareness of. So, oh, that's um, so yeah, I would much rather spend a week out on the corner with Miss Pat. Less and I might make some money. You listen, she's a businesswoman. You yeah. yeah, you probably would learn some stuff. I was more like, would you be intimidated about, about I was like, that which state? one would you more likely survive? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Oh, I, I would more I I'm wily. I have okay. I may be okay. uh from Plainfield, but I have some uh street awareness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. What's, what's like the what's that. the term for it? Um Street Smarts? Not, street Smarts. That there thank it is. you. You got yeah. that. All right, so three points for you again. You win. Fantastic. Yeah, you won so, the game. You won the game. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun because um, when Dion did come onto the show, he it was really because the cat again. She went on and on about how much she hated this book, and uh, the book that we ended up reading was um, Eric, "Milk in My Coffee." Eric Jerome Dickey. Milk, milk lemonade. Yeah, I, I looked <laughs> at the description. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like. He goes on a date with a woman who's white, and that's a problem for a man with a Malcolm X picture on his wall. Why would that be a problem? Malcolm it's X problem. did not hate white people. It's a problem, Chris. In the because it indicates the level of his blackness. That's yes. why. It's like if you have a poster of Malcolm X, that means you're the ultimate black. The lightest Negro and... leader on the planet. Right. <laughs> and so you're not black. <laughs> Now. I mean, I, the um, message I always got from him was like, we just want to be left alone and not terrorized. Like, But, you know, we're not. I mean, especially after he went to Mecca and saw we're all oh, yeah. one, you know, like, I don't know. I, Absolutely. It's just, it's, even the description was weird. Why did you hate it, Kat? Because it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, just it was just so poorly written. Like that bothered me more than anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, and when you take something that's poorly written and then and then put misogyny with it. And I felt really bad for two reasons. For one, Dion was our guest and I was like. I felt bad for hating it so much because I didn't even finish it. It was getting to be like a problem. It was getting making my life bad. And, and I thought that was funny, by the way. That <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, you hate but it. But it gave me some insight to why some people hate reading. We all talked about like how much we love books and reading. And that's why we're doing this podcast. But I'm like, this is the first time I've ever hated reading. So I was like, oh, what if other people feel this way wow. when they are given books? Like, then maybe they think they hate reading. They just haven't had a chance to experience something good. 
And that's why it was just uh, he, he and it turns out he'd also written some comic books because I'm also a comic book nerd. So I went to go read some of the comic books he'd written. Also terrible. I had actually bought them in the past and remembered hating them. <laughs> Mm. And I was like, he's just he's really bad at writing from a female perspective. You know, like some writers are really good at like Stephen King is like that. He can write from a female perspective really well. It doesn't fit, seem, feel pandering. The, or- the guy from Game of Thrones has one of my all time favorite quotes. George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. He asked how he ri- wrote female characters so well. He said, well, first I consider them people. And then I. <laughs> Boom. Just go yeah. from there. And then it, just it starts goes from there. I also really. I do enjoy how he writes. I love George R. R. Martin's book. Is he done writing books? Is he going to write anymore? Is he done? No, I think he he gave advice on the last, like where he kind of wanted things to go. But I think he's going to have, I read he's going to have a different ending than Please. what ended up in the in the show. Yeah, so. that was bad. Yeah, yeah that so was great- that was my problem with it. The, the female characters were really unrealistic and unpleasant. And it was also like really the race stuff was really dumb too. even for it to be in the 90s. It turns out Dion had read this in high school. That was our kind of working theory it. that it was something he had I read a long it. time ago. Yeah. And it, we all do that a lot of times with movies. I go back to movies I thought were really great. And it turns out I was just really young when I watched them. They're not. Very it just <laughs> impacts you at the time. And- yeah. yeah. And, it, and I think because it wasn't it was like reading a Medea play. That's what it was like. Boom. It really was. Because <laughs> they're wildly advice. popular. Like, he's a really popular author, and he has a lot of books that people really, really enjoy. And I'm just like, but no one noticed it's not very, like, there's better things to choose from. Like, if, if you wanted to read something by Black men, there are Black men who write better than this. Oh, man. It was just, it was hilarious <laughs> to me, the whole the whole thing. And he was a really good sport about it. It made for a really good conversation, because, again, the contrast is what ends up being fun. You know, from a podcast coaching perspective, your goal is to entertain your listeners first and foremost. And Controversy Creates Cash is a book by Eric Bischoff. And so the conflict (laughs) between you and Dion, I'm going to go listen to it because it's uh, two two of the smartest people that I've met going after each other. I'm excited to hear it. it. You will love it. It, I'm trying to write that down. And I'm just in the back, you know, instigating. Yep, by Eric. Yep, right here. Let's see. Okay. Nice. Look he looks like he knows what he's talking about nice. too. Yep. <laughs> he looks at like him. one of the bosses from WWE. <laughs> he does. He was, yeah. was he really? He oh, no. Shoot. He was this guy, Eric Bischoff, created WCW, and in the heyday, oh, took wow. it to Vince I was McMahon. Just kidding, really? Yeah. He, and he created like a product that. that went right up against Vince McMahon and beat them. Wow. Until Vince hired him. So yeah. That, and that's what you do. Exactly. By the competition. If you can't beat that's them, join them. The book is and terrible, then. but it is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes again, like sometimes books that aren't fantastic can still have some entertainment value. Yes. So well let's start talking about the book we're here to talk about. Okay. Scary close. Um um let's see. So I want to give you guys just a little bit about the author. He's an American author public speaker and business owner. He's the CEO of StoryBrand, which is a marketing company. And he's also the author of personal essays and reflections about faith, God, and self-discovery. So I was picking up on those vibes heavy. And he lives in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where my mom and her people are from. Nice. Midwest vibes. Well, Southern. They do not like to be called Midwestern. Do not do that. They are Southern. We can't do that? Okay, that's true. Once you pass Kentucky. No, they were on the other side of the... The they're on the Mason Dixie <laughs> okay, line. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, it was the tea um, is sweet. You have it's sugar water, basically. 
yes. the team. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Kat, do you have the number of pages and all that kind of stuff? I do. So it looks like this was published February 10th, 2015, and there were 249 pages. Were there? Yes. That's interesting because guess what I found? (laughs) Mine says 229 pages. Where are you getting this? Who's the liar? I pull all my stuff from Amazon. Amazon is our beneficiary overlords. So our beneficiary. Okay. The acknowledgments ends on 229. He said 229. Wait, what was your number? Jeff Bezos. 229. Oh, damn it. So why does Amazon keep lying to me? They're liars. Whatever. Jeff Bezos. Bezos, I believe you. In the face of all this evidence, I still choose to believe (laughs) in our benevolent overlord, Jeff Bezos. Wow. uh, Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm rigidly sticking in my position. That's fine. So just for the listeners, the recap on that was Kat was wrong. (laughs) And I was right. So there's that. So yeah, but this book was a really easy read. I felt like I got it done pretty quickly. It didn't take very long. Um, I I listened to the book maybe about actually it's been about a month ago. So I kind of went back over it a little bit just to kind of get refreshed. Um, What about you, Kat? Did it take a long time for you to read it? Oh, I also did the audio book. Because, you know, yeah. we, we we discussed earlier, our lives are very busy. You guys know. I had to, you know, sure. do chores and listen to it. And uh, <laughs> I sped it up a little because I think it was maybe about four hours on Audible. Just and about. So a little bit less than that. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I've listened on audiobook and read the book. And I, I he reads it. And anytime there's an audiobook where the author reads their work, it's better. I like it. Yeah. I agree. Always, I always prefer it over an, a narrator. Yeah, yeah, same here. Because you can kind of hear their, you know, their essence in it, and it's from their perspective. So that yeah, is and a lot of it's really autobiographical too. Yeah, it is. It almost it was like a diet memoir to me because it wasn't like I didn't feel like I feel like a lot of memoirs. Like he didn't really go into depth about his child. You know, he didn't. It wasn't this in depth story. It was kind of like a it felt like an outline almost. You know what I mean? So like there were certain points and he mostly focused in on his adult life and his career and his love life and trying to like, you know, come into his own as a man and um, in his own interpersonal relationship. Well, so I thought this is the year Chris just got married. So <laughs> I'm sure this book probably was very interesting to you. Like, was this anything was this in your mind as you were preparing to propose and get married? Uh, you know, my, so Donald Miller was a guy that I heard about a long time ago. He wrote Blue Like Jazz, which is a famous Christian book that like, when I first became a Christian in 2002, 2001, like it was kind of popular shortly, like in those early years. And so I got divorced in 2014 and went through like a real rough patch, uh, went through my Kanye period, but with, (laughs) I was different than that. I was like... I, I was kind of a mess in the way that I implode and was very much like um not not like the the creepy outward stalky, stalky guy but like right right but what I what I found in this book I I heard him on a podcast on a radio a Christian radio show and I clicked on it because it was Donald Miller and listened to it and I had just broken up with somebody that I was really infatuated with and really like it liked um and it just hit me like a ton of bricks Mm. like it i remember cleaning i was doing construction cleanup with my dad and heard this 
conversation and it was it was me to a T. Like everything about like it was my story. And went home, downloaded the book on Audible or not Audible on a uh, Kindle, and I read it in two hours. And then I just I just like it it blew me apart and helped re- reshape me in a lot of ways. So it's um it's an important book in my life that kind of set me on a path that allowed me to get married this year because what I realized reading this book is that I was very much like that person who, because I didn't want to be known because I didn't feel like anybody would actually want to get to know me. Like I didn't have any self-worth at that point. Mm. Uh, and I still struggle with, you know, uh, gosh, what was the, the line? It's a beautiful moment when somebody wakes up to this reality, when they realize God created them so other people could enjoy them, not endure them. And I have always felt like a bother to people. And that creates in relationships a lot of fear and a lot of control issues, not in like the angry control guy issue, but like in the beta male type control issue, the, the passive aggressive guy that like is, is fearful of the relationship. So there's a lot of push and pull and is just as ugly and destructive towards intimate relationships as, you know, the, the guy that blows up at everything or that is controlling. So, you know, I I read this and I realized like I had that mask on where I was trying to present a different version of myself to different people because I thought that's what they wanted because I was trying to please them. Mm-hmm. And this is the book that made me realize there's a different way. And I immediately got therapy. I went through four years of therapy. For the first two years, I was going twice a week, um, working on all my issues. And yeah, I mean, when I when I look back at like the different man that I am it's because of this book it impacted me that much wow that's That's a heavy endorsement yeah absolutely well and then that's why I like to ask that question too because usually if you're recommending a book there's something about that book that that speaks to you that resonates so um and I would like so like yeah he has a new book called and his mark and his marketing stuff is just as good as he's one of the best marketers that I've ever, the story brand stuff has really been influential in how I, in my podcasting career. And it was cool because he just released a book called Hero on a Mission the same day as a guy named Michael Matthews. And Michael Matthews wrote a, a his, it's a muscle for life is the new book, but his fitness book was the one that got me on the path to like losing 75 pounds. I saw your uh, old pictures. Great healthy. job. <laughs> Thank I you. Know, I was that's hard. Three thirty. So yeah, I was real ugly. And you so, are ugly, yeah. but Stop. you're just better now. Like you're just a, yeah. you know, like there's nothing. Yeah. You don't have to shit on old Chris because he got you here. Yeah, sure but it, so it was cool that they released a book on the same day, and I got them in Amazon on the same day because those those two authors more than anybody else impacted my personal life. Yeah. I do. I feel like a lot of what he talked about in the book had to do with what you were talking about as far as like, you know, showing up as your authentic self or the fear of showing up as your authentic self sometimes and being in a space where, you know, you're trying to give people what you think that they want. So I think that's really I think that's a, a message that I, that's super relatable for a lot of people, because even if it's not in your interpersonal relationships, maybe it's with your parents. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to be this perfect daughter or son or whatever. Or um, So I just I think it was really relatable. I liked that he talked about that. And also, too, just how that leads to like clinginess and codependency. Like he talked a lot about that in the book. Um, 
I, you know, it, and which isn't relatable to me because I'm such an anti-clingy person. In <laughs> fact, I think I have a radar for people like that. Like I can usually sense when people are like ultra needy and I, it repels me because it tells me, um, and it doesn't make them a bad person. Like, like everybody's on a different path. It doesn't make them a bad person, but it's like, I know I can't, if you're looking for me to complete something inside of you or to be something for you, like if it's not, um, the cherry on top, like if our relationship isn't just like, I like being around you, you add value to my life, but it's like, no, I need you. I, that makes me go in the other direction. Yeah. That's, that's why scary. that girl, that's, yeah, that's why that girl broke up with me. She could see that I was trying to, I was asking her to fulfill something that I couldn't yeah. fulfill myself. And it's not, I, I wasn't anywhere near ready to have a healthy relationship because I didn't understand what one looked like. And so what this book did for me is a lot of, a lot of men, what I love about Donald Miller is that he wrote this book and, and was willing to be vulnerable and open about his struggles and his problems because men aren't often willing to do that. And it's only gotten worse through the Trump presidency and like, you know, all these fools running around saying how much they love Putin because he's just a real man. Uh, you know, yeah. like real men <clears throat> kill children in wars, you know, like it's right. the, the idea of that mask. Right. What, what a real man is, is this like fake idea of machismo of John Wayne, the strong and silent type. And, you know, like, and that's not really what a man is. And I think Donald Miller writes from a healthy male perspective about what it means to be in intimate relationships, not just one-on-one -on -one relationships, but like with your coworkers, with yourself, with your kids. And it made me realize I was blaming the, well, you just don't love me. You're the problem. You're the problem. This made me go, oh, I'm the problem. Because no, no other man had ever said that to me, and right. so I had to, I had to like have some humility and go work on myself. And doing that, you know, in therapy, like it, it led to the great life that I have and the great relationship that I have. And and accepting the fact that Reagan loves me is just as difficult <laughs> a lot of times, just because you still you never get rid of those bad feelings about yourself. You just learn how to kind of correct those thinking errors. So right. it's it's that's a really really and, great and, book and for to that think perspective. It, I like that. I think that's yeah. really great that you recognize it reminds, that. It reminds me a lot of when we read Will Smith's book. A lot of the things Same he was theme. talking. A lot of those same themes. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm trying to get to know men better now because, like you, Chris, I've been divorced. Like you, it's it takes so much work for men and women to understand each other. And yeah. even if you think you're doing the work, you pro I'm still learning so much. And so listening to stories like yours, listen, you know, reading this book, listening to, you know, Will Smith talk about, you know, his own, he, he does, he felt like he needed a woman to validate him. Like he wasn't mm -hmm. happy unless there was a woman like validating um, what that, what he was doing was worthwhile, even though he's making, you know, all this money and he's an international superstar, it kind of didn't matter unless he was getting that validation. And this is kind of a sillier uh, reference, but it's the same ethos of the Mr. Poopy butthole monologue from Rick and Morty. <sighs> where he <laughs> talks about like what would we do if the people around us really knew the real us and not just the person we're projecting that we think they want to love 
Like, and what? you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody, because <laughs> they're thinking about their own stuff. Exactly. And that's what I learned is like, nobody's thinking about me in the way I think they're all thinking about me and they're not, you know? And it, yeah. I think the, the idea too is like a stepdad now of a three-year-old and I've been around her for, you know, since she was about two and a half months old. You know, this quote, oh just goodness. as a, you have to realize like this kid has her own personality. She's her own human being. She's her own, even at that young, like you, you know, it makes you mad when they don't do what you say, but like she's still an intelligent human being. And like this quote, from the book but love doesn't control i suppose that's why it's the ultimate risk in the end we have to hope the person we're giving our heart to won't break it and be willing to forgive them when they do even as they will forgive us real love stories don't have dictators they have participants love is an ever-changing complicated choose your own adventure narrative that offers the world but guarantees nothing you know Mm -hmm. and it's scary to like be a step parent or a parent you know you're saying your son you admire your son like you you can never let the kid know when they're three years old that you have no control over them whatsoever already, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you're just hoping that you can, like, put the bumpers up to knock them into making the right choices, even that young. And that's something that mm-hmm. um, this book prepared me to do is just to accept that, you know, I I just have to be as loving to her as possible. And you have to take the risk that this person hopefully ends up being somebody that you admire. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely. It's terrifying. But we're, you know, but that's life. Like you're not going to escape danger in this life. Like in trying to avoid it just makes your life worse. So you might as well just. Amen, um, and I like you said, too, because ain't nobody. That's why my mom used to tell me this all the time when I was little. Ain't nobody studying you. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And I tell my daughter that now, too. It's like you are so concerned about everybody else. Worry about yourself. And get yourself together. And yeah, don't try to. And little girls are like that, too, because they try to police everybody. And little boys are like, she keeps telling me what to do. It's like, (laughs) you don't have to listen to her and you don't have to run him. Like, worry, like, take care of yourselves. Yeah, agreed. And I'm. it's crazy that you brought up um, Will Smith, because I didn't know you had that in your notes. But the the other part that he mentioned, too, on top of just like looking for that female validation was the chasing applause part. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? I was yeah. like, damn, because that's what Will talked about that a lot. And how like even when Chris, did you read the book? Have you read Will by Will Smith? I have not. It's really, really good. It's a fantastic audio book. Highly mm. recommend it. You should check okay. out our episode on that one, too. But it's, um, you know, he was he threw a party for Jada when she turned 40. And it was like. I mean, anybody I know would have been like, oh, my God, I can't believe my husband did this because he rents out this villa and he has. Uh, musicians come who came was it mary j blige or somebody i believe so i think it was mary j blige she made a documentary about her life about her life it was like he it was this it was this was a man's oh it was a weekend like she brought in artists like her favorite artists to like do like art shows and it was it was incredible but it's not what she wanted (laughs) it was not what she wanted and she was pissed the whole time and everybody was like well i would yeah, she seems like uh, they they seem to have a weird relationship, but I, I don't know if it's too good or too dysfunctional. I can't tell. <laughs> it seems like well, he, he the just book gives a lot of it insight. does. Like he just wasn't listening to her, and she was trying to tell him what she wanted, and he was like, "No, you want this." right and how that's not about me anymore like you're doing this for you this is about your ego this is how people perceive you and how people perceive our relationship so like when you're chasing that applause when you're waiting you want everybody to look at you and admire you to be jealous of how yeah jealous yeah like like, oh my god in the world 
Yeah. And it wasn't well, really about her because she never wanted that. And look so at what that I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been in radio for 20 years. I mean, I I didn't realize like the amount of, I mean, somebody, a pat down person, I have not forgotten this, even though it was three years ago. You know, I don't like Chris because he's a clout chaser. Oh. And I totally see how somebody could kind of like get that perception like I'm just trying to make a living at something that I like doing but I have to really watch myself on social media or through my career like am I doing this because the validation of an audience is a drug is mm. this like self-medication is this attention seeking is it you know attention seeking can be behavior that pushes people away too oh. um, through trolling um, so this book kind of woke me up and, and you know, the, the thing that stood out to me the most from the book that I've never forgotten was like the therapy session with the rings and like, here's your outer ring and here's your inner ring and then here's yourself and your soul. And like, I've always tried to like the, 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 the person that is on the outer ring that I allow people to see is different than the inner ring. Um, you know, but it's gotta be healthy and you've got to be integrated. And, and part of why Miss Pat chose me to be in our podcast is I think, I'm comfortable being myself in public now and I don't really care what you think about me. It's not like you can't hurt me, but I'm also not looking like I, I think I've got a healthy balance of, you know, trying to get an attention for my audience versus, you know, but who knows like that's, but when you're in entertainment, when you're in media, it's, it can be a real problem in trying to balance all that stuff because you make it about you because so many people will make it about you and they're so complimentary. And when you've got hundreds of people that you talk to that know you, know who you are, you don't know them, and they're very complimentary, that stuff really starts to go to your head. And I'm at a very like low level of, no, like I'm sort of known. Like I'm not like Miss Pat or Will Smith famous, right? Sure, so, sure. Um, but it still becomes that a validation because some, you know, and, and if you go through a period where you don't get it because you're not getting enough comments on your podcast or you're not getting enough, sure. you sort of go, where's my supply? Mm -hmm. You know, so you got to really keep that, keep that stuff in check. And so I think that's one reason I also connected to the book is that he, he's a person that thinks in public, that puts stuff out, the creative work, wants that validation. Uh, and, it it can be it can be problematic for a person that like attention seeking is is and people pleasing is like the thing that they love. You you become an addict to it if you don't right. keep it in check. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh. Um, Kat, what do you, were there any themes that I didn't touch on? I know that we've in the past talked about um, Joseph Campbell and like the hero's journey. I think he did kind of like touch on that. I don't know if you caught that the in there, but yeah, the monomyth and just how up. you have. It does. It's in, you know, it's a big part of stories, and he kind of touched in on that. And you mentioned a book, though, Chris. You said he's about yeah, hero journey. on a mission. I um, wonder if that's kind of like he's the a same big guy. He's a big Joseph Campbell vein. guy, and Christopher. He's recommended Christopher Booker's book, The Seven Basic Plots. Now there's like seven basic stories. Like he, yeah, his story brand stuff. He's broken down the framework of storytelling, and put it into marketing terms. And okay. he's based it all around the hero's journey, and like. The Hero's Journey, the new book, is basically about find yourself a guide. You're the hero in your own story. You need to find a Yoda to help you like defeat your enemy, and your enemy may be yourself, and that sort of thing. Very real. I think one of the uh, themes would probably be authenticity and vulnerability. 
Because I think a lot of times it's this idea that we want to we want people to perceive us as perfect for some reason, even though we know no one's perfect. And the the expectation for perfection to me has always been so absurd that like because to me, this book was interesting just to read someone else's perspective because it didn't really speak to me because all of this stuff is just things that I already internally knew. Like I knew from a long time ago that trying to impress people is a trap. Yeah, this idea of because I went to like an all white school, like I know you did too, Chris. And so Mm -hmm. like when you're (laughs) in those environments, I'm already such an outcast that it was never even really an option to be a people pleaser. That was never going to happen anyway if I tried it. And one of the reasons I've always liked you, Chris, is you remind me of the white dudes I got along with in school. (laughs) who were always like would talk to me you know what I mean like a lot of times being in school it's not necessarily people are mean to you they just won't even like talk to you at all so if if there was a new kid in school I was the one that would talk to you yes exactly and that's the vibes I get off of you too like you can sit here like those are that's me those are the vibes well that's why I've always (laughs) liked you but like Chris is new so I'm telling him why I like him and so, but yeah, more, more, please more. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it, it's just that same vibe because it would always just be very sort of bookish white dudes who were usually cool with me. And we just sit in the back and they would pay me to like draw stuff for them. And we would always it would just always be the sort of like understood thing because the pretty got white girls wouldn't talk to them either. So it was just yeah. we were just kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, I was never, like, a popular kid. I sort of ended up popular, but, like, I was sort of an outcast in middle school and didn't have any friends. And, like, I learned uh, jokes. And so all of freshman year, I'd have, like, a joke of the day. So kids would come up and ask me, like, for a joke. And I realized, like, oh, if I offer something, then people will talk to me. And it's performing a little bit and being funny. And that's my selling point. And, you know, I really dug into that. And so I kind of became a well-liked person by senior year. But it was because I had to do something, you know, it, mm. th- there was just always like that inherent like and it probably is my own mentality just from my parents. I have great parents. I have no qualms about it. But like every parent has things that kind of tease things out in their kids that kind of make you the way that they are. Um, but yeah, like kind of being in the middle, you know, not not really somebody that like a popular girl's going to date, not on the football team, not necessarily a nerd, just kind of like friends with everybody. You sort of uh, I don't know, you learn to adapt a little bit. But yeah, that that's that kind of performance, I think, is where a lot of this started for me is like that notion of if I don't offer up some comedy, I'm not going to have any friends. And that right. stuck with me to this day. Wow. Yeah, I think it's funny how we all end up like you know, like with with Kat saying this too, because she was mentioning to me like how this part of the book, that part of the book didn't resonate in the sense of like, that was something that ever related to her. But even though I've been in similar situations as Kat being in all white schools and stuff like that, the only black kid, like, I don't know that I ever was trying to be liked. I feel like I gave that up maybe in second grade. Like I realized it didn't matter what I did. There were always just going to be people who didn't like me. But I still have this thing where it's like I'm trying to be I need I want everything to look a certain way. You know what I mean? I want to give the perception that everything is like, OK, I'm I'm together. Everything. Nothing to see here, guys. I got this all figured out, you know, because um, I'm a, like I'm a control freak. Like I like to feel like I have control when I know it. I don't technically. You know what I mean? So it resonated to me in that way, because 
a lot of being in, in interpersonal relationships is relinquishing control. Like I've been married for 500 15, years, <sighs> 14, 15 years. <laughs> and I've been with my husband since high school. It's like one of those situations. So, um, and we've grown up together and I've had, a and a lot of like what you're talking about, we've had to learn together too, but one thing that I can say is that we've never, I think what we like about each other is that he's not waiting for me to complete him. Like, I know that he was talking about that toward the end of the book. Like, you know, um, you complete me like that corny shit from what, what movie was Jerry that? McGuire. Uh, Jerry McGuire. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and just how damaging, like how media like really does feed you a really unhealthy idea about what real interpersonal relationships are. It's constantly negotiating and choosing every day to be involved, to be engaged, to show up and as much as you give at work, you come home and give that same thing, give it that same energy. You know, it's not fair for you to go to work and give it a hundred percent and then come home and be too tired to engage with your kids or engage with your, your family. And most of us are trying to balance that and it's not easy and it's not romantic and it's certainly not always fun, but you know, when you build that community of people around you, who, you know, that even when you're not, you're not making the marks and being perfect all the time, they're still there. You know, they're still there to cheer you on. They're still there to, you know, support you and be there with you for the ride. And I mean, shoot, any I always joke, not joke. Well, I do joke about this. <laughs> I'll always be like, um, you know, if, if my husband like were to leave me for a younger woman and start a new family, like after we had my second daughter, I was like, well, like I knew I didn't want to have any more kids. So I had a procedure done instead of making him. Because I was like, you know what? He might decide he wants to do something else and start a new family. I know what I won't be doing. I'm not having That's, no more kids. Kat, so, Kat, she is avoidant as like if you've ever read. I recommend the book Attachments. Oh, you are I'm avoidant. I'm anxious and avoidant. <laughs> I am. I am. Ang I'm anxious attachment, but Moni sounds anxious. avoidant as fuck. Avoidant. <laughs> I mean, but she's the one with the Ask longest up. marriage up in here. <laughs> right but you know what like i do think that the, the one thing that, that that makes reagan and i work is we have parallel lives like we we're not in each mm -hmm. other's business i don't need anything from her she doesn't need anything from me that does sometimes like last night like this week we we're like we need to go on a date because we have not had a conversation because we're yes. working on our businesses and we're doing our stuff and like you sort of you can't lose touch with each other um, but you know, we're not looking for anything from each other, you know, and that, right. that's what makes it work. You know, it's, it, it's not like past my, my last marriage where it was like, I was angry all the time because she wasn't fulfilling my needs and I wasn't fulfilling her needs and, you know, it ended it big, it ended because she wasn't happy. And so she found some, you know, it's like, well, that's a very nebulous thing, you know, like you, you've got to make yourself happy. You've got to do your own work. And so that's that's why Reagan and I work really well. And talking, speaking of work, you mentioned therapy. You did the work of therapy. That is a lot of yep. work. And yeah. uh, here at the Fab Podcast, we love therapy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I would not. I would. I would rather die than tell you the problem I had with you. Wow. I'd rather. And I still do that. I would rather keep it to myself and not cause problems because if I make you mad by telling you that something you're doing wrong, you're gonna leave me. You know, so it's a little bit about having courage to kind of say, hey, this is not something that I like. And then you can negotiate it from there and they can agree or not agree or whatever. But, you right. know, having the courage to kind of speak up and say, this is a problem for me is not something I was able to do till this relationship. And Reagan is the first person I ever just truly let myself be like I just was myself from the beginning. 
I didn't like hide anything. I told the truth whenever asked, you know, like, so she fully knew me for the th- two or two years we dated before we got married. Cause it was a conscious choice not to hide the things that were bad about me or the, that were like imperfect or like, and then you don't have to keep track of the lies, right? Like yeah. even if they're not like <laughs> yeah. big lies, like it's exhausting. I think, yeah. you know, when he talks about the mask, like it's just exhausting having the mask on trying to present a certain face to somebody, especially if you're living with them, you're, you're just worn out mentally from like keeping track of all the things that you had to hide or that lie about or whatever. Like, it's just impossible to have relationship if you're doing that. True. Yeah. Another thing I like too, is he was like, you need to like, not try to change your partner. Like the way you're going, you said like going into it, it's like, this is me. Like, is this, you know, is this cool? Because like in my past relationships, yeah, that's been a big thing. Like they wanted to change me. It's like, well, then why'd you even pick me? Like <laughs> this is like it doesn't make any sense. Like that this is just kind of how I am. Um, I, I do want to improve and yeah. get better, but it's just going to be some version of me. There's some fundamental things that are not negotiable and are not going to change. You can't. You only have so much energy to change certain habits, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but true. if you don't like that I'm a sarcastic person, <laughs> then like, you're, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work out. <laughs> like, I joke yeah. all the time. And if you don't right. like that, it's, you know, Reagan likes it. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's our, that's our advice yeah, here. Find perfect. someone who likes you. Yeah. <laughs> and into that. Honestly, 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 I feel like that was the that was the question I asked myself, like when I was going to marry uh, my husband, because we were together for a long time before we actually got married. And it was, you know, everybody's like, why aren't you guys married? It's like, well, love, don't spoil. We get married when you're ready. But also, um, you know, you ask yourself, like, if this person never changed, like if, if this is how they are, you know, 50 years from now, 20 years from now, whatever. Can I like, is, am I okay with that? And I feel like if the answer is yes, then you probably have a pretty decent partner because that what they're not going to do is change. Like you say, we all kind of evolve into better, hopefully better versions of ourselves, but inherently we're still always the same. So you want to find somebody who sees you. And that's the most important thing when picking any kind of relationship. I mean, I feel like I don't have to transform to be anything other than who I am around the people who I know love who love me. And that's, that honestly, to me, that's, I can't think of anything more valuable than that in my life. Well, you know what you're is describing that. is freedom. And freedom. since we have a libertarian like on here, I think we all pretty much value freedom. We love yeah. it over here. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's another great book that just popped in my head called um, Un- The Undervalued Self by Elaine Aaron. And mm. the premise of the book is that every relationship you're either, you're either ranking or linking. And so, like when we started this podcast, why why do you want to come on this podcast? Like you 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 ranked me above your podcast, right? Sure, like sure. And I don't look at it that way. I don't rank myself like I don't have time for these little people. I think of it like I want to link with these cool people. I want to build a relationship with people without but the way that I used to think was like ranking myself low, ranking people high. And if I want to be ranked higher, I need to act like those people because I didn't think that I was good enough to just link with people, right? And what I've learned as I've gotten older is that everybody, there's somebody for everybody. In podcasting, I don't need to be, Mm -hmm. I don't need to do a libertarian podcast in the way that every other libertarian podcaster does it because they're copying the most popular guy. I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to find my audience and so be the consequences because there's people that like that. You know, Reagan likes me like she she messaged me 30 minutes ago and said, can we go for a walk? I really just want to spend time with you. I really enjoyed last night. Like she wants to link with me. Right. Like there's so cute. I'm just, you know, 
and I felt like I was kind of annoying last night. But she's like, I want more of that, you know? So <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you just have to, the, the fear of accepting that you're good enough, I think for people is really hard. Not for yeah. me. I feel like <laughs> I'm usually waiting like for people to get on board. <laughs> The hell, like I really do the other day because I find myself lost in thought a lot of times. And I was thinking because I'm single and I'm I'm not dating. And a lot of times I'm having trouble because I'm like, I really don't think any of these dudes are going to love me as much as I love myself. I love me. So I am deeply in love with the experience of being myself. And like the mistake I made in the past is just being like, well, they don't have to love me as much. You know, I already love myself so much. Like I love me enough for the both of us. And I admire and hate you. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but the reality is like so, you you should not settle for anything less. Like, yeah, because eventually it's just a numbers game. You go out on 150 first dates and then you're, you'll meet your Reagan. I maybe I don't have a lot of time to date either. Cause that's the other thing I'm like, and it's, and to me, I'm okay though. Like, that's not like, you know, we make a list to talk about being honest about like what we want in life. And because I can't really, um, I had a, a friend the other day who was trying to set me up with someone and she was describing him. I'm like, he won't like me. I can really only go out like twice a month. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a person who can like sit on the phone with somebody um, I, I can't do any of that stuff. Like I, I would just kind of see you when I see you and no one's really up for that. So how freshly single, how, how long have you been single? Oh gosh, almost four years now. Like, do you, do you, I like, I get a vibe from what you just said of like, I'm being a little self-protective. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was coming out. It probably hasn't been four years yet. What was that? Or yes, it has 2018. Mm -hmm. That's two years. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be two years this month and next month, I think in April. So yeah, it's, it's a little self-protective. Sure. But that's just because I love me so much. <laughs> well, and, and all, and in her defense too, I mean, you know, not to drag the father of her children, but I didn't like neither one of them. So you're you know, saying her pick, her picker's bad. It's a little it's bit, it's not bad, great, but like you said, <laughs> there's not much to choose from. And they're like, and that's the thing, too, because they loved me less than I love myself. So or to get along with them, I kind of love myself less it's for us to in it, it just in it, it never worked out. Or yeah. you're just not in a space where you're being allowed to be yourself. 100%, yeah, because I feel like I witnessed that, especially in your last relationship. Like it was pretty clear he didn't. It was like he doesn't like you. you he <laughs> wants you to be different. Yeah, yeah like that. That's not going to work. But I hated being alone. And then I loved living alone at a certain point. Like once I kind of got comfortable, I read this book called um, something about loneliness. It was this great Christian book about loneliness. And like from then on, I was in love with being alone and being single. Mm -hmm. Right. Like because. We often think like we got to have somebody. Well, you're single. You've been single for four years. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you married again? Why aren't you in love? Why aren't you doing this? Like, and I think that's an unhealthy thing. Like if you just love being alone, then that's good too. Until you find somebody that like makes it worth it. Reagan was the only person I had met that was worth it. Like I'm not, I'm not, I didn't date. We just like ran into each other. Oh, where did you guys meet? I don't know you guys' meet, like uh, meeting story. I slid in her DMs. Nice. Ooh. Um, <laughs> she she like added me on Facebook and my libertarian group and I like started to chat her up and then and then I saw um she was dating somebody that I knew and I was like what's Ooh. up with that and then that and then when that wasn't clearly going on anymore I wanted the gossip so I like 
you know, what's the guys, okay. what's the hot guys. But then like that kind of got us talking and, you know, after a few months we ended up dating because we just like enjoyed talking to each other. She's really smart. You know, I need, I require somebody that's intelligent and likes that I'm intelligent and I'm not going to dumb myself down, you know, and so she mm. she matches me intellectually so it you know and we have the same shared values so it's sort of like i don't know I, like the first date i knew immediately like this is the one like it just was clear because this is the wow. type of person that i don't mind them being around <laughs> they don't because like you it's like I, I don't want the hassle I don't need the hassle of somebody getting in my that's what space. it is. Like, that's the thing. Like, I like spending time with myself. I mean, I haven't been single in a long, long time. But, like, I, I feel like people act like there's nothing else you could be doing other than being in a relationship. There's so many things you could be doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some peace that you get we or freedom, if you will, that we talked about before, like that you have when you don't like not having to consider somebody every time you make a choice or being worried about how this choice affects them and everybody else like that. What's wrong with that? And I want my kids to be the kind of people that enjoy being with themselves and you can get companionship from other people other than romantic relationships. Yeah. You can cultivate your family relationships. You can cultivate your friendships. You can still get that companionship. It doesn't always have to be a romantic thing. I don't want to discount the romantic thing because that is important, but it, I just feel like we're conditioned to feel like that's the most important thing when really self-love, if I can teach my kids anything in this world, if, if, if before I close my eyes is to love yourself fully, because after you've done that, that can literally be the hardest thing you ever have to do inside your life. If you're not already like cat, you know what I'm saying? Like le learning to love yourself. Cause there'll be so many messages you're getting outside of yourself and outside of maybe just your family that will reinforce maybe some of those little negative seeds that get planted. And if you're not careful, they can grow. So to me, I feel like, shoot, I mean, being alone gives you the opportunity to really know yourself and to be yeah, able to that's one of the, fully. And that's one of the central messages of the book is that you can't yeah. have a healthy relationship with somebody else until you love yourself. Bigly. Amen. Amen. I think that's fantastic. And, and um, that's a big problem with men. And believe me, like really? that's why I recommend this book to my mostly male audience all the time. Like, uh, it's not easy, like, trying to find a, an adult mature man well sure we're you know, not conditioned like... men aren't socialized for one to mm -hmm. even feel sad like i mm -hmm. when i was discussing my talking to my about my son earlier he was talking about that about how a lot of the times he was saying to a lot of the close relationships he has is with other women because a lot of the men he talks to he's like they're not like me they're not like the men i'm used mm -hmm. to being even growing up with where they can uh, communicate their feelings. If everything's gay, basically. Yeah. What are you going to cry? Pussy? Yeah. Like everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're nice. just gay. Like every feeling's gay except anger. And, and I will be honest with you. Uh, and Brene Brown talks a little bit about this in one of her audiobooks, which is really good. Women have a hard time with a man who is emotional. And he, she talks about this guy who came up, you know, yeah, you just gave a speech on vulnerability and, my wife and two girls just bought your book, but they would rather see me die on top of my white horse than see me cry, oh, you know. And, that and part I found, was so I good. found that, that was... like there's it, do I, yeah, no, that part was good. I read that book too, that was fantastic. Yeah, like there's you know, when I started opening up, like you get friend zoned a little bit. <laughs> like, I know that's not a great concept, but like there's a big thing in therapy that I had to learn was like holding back you know, keeping, keeping uh, things close to my vest because, 
of just what your son's talking about. You know, men and women don't like an emotional man. Yeah. Or they say they don't like we because men don't necessarily like it when women get hyper emotional either. From what I've heard, that's not their fave, but it's still accepted (laughs) as feminine. Like you don't see her as less of a woman if she gets like overly emotional. But like with a man, if we like I said, I never saw my dad cry until my grandfather died. And I was super shocked. And I think I was like 11. And because I'm like this for 11 years, I've never seen this man cry. And I was scared at first, but then I thought I just extrapolated and I was like, well, yeah, this is my dad. He's crying. He's sad because his dad's dying. Like, I think of how sad I'd be if my dad was dying. Like, I mean, you know, I was sad my grandfather was dying, but I wasn't nearly as close to my grandfather as I was my dad. And so it made a ton of sense. And also, too, like the way I think is weird. I'm my only child. So, like, I'm real good with by myself. Hmm. You know, that's just going to be the way it is. But yeah, you sit back and because I didn't have any siblings to bounce things off of, I'm just going over stuff in my head and, you know, observing adults and, you know, the things that they're going through. But it's like, yeah, men are like, just like you said, with the um, I can't remember which author. Oh, George R.R. Martin about writing women. It's like they're people. And it's like, yeah, men are people. They're not these sort of stand ins (laughs) for a God. (laughs) Like, you know, they're just some guy. He's some guy. Yeah, it's just it is kind of unfair. I do hate that for men because it, it 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 like there's not a lot of latitude. There's not this huge spectrum that you get. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one. It feels very black and white. And it's like, yeah, that's not really that's not really awesome. And I certainly wouldn't want my son to feel that way. Like I want him to know, like, yeah, you can have feelings. You can have, but he's lucky. He's got a lot of really fantastic males in front of him who illustrate you know, that um, active kind of love and that kind of love where it's like, yeah, you're allowed to feel your feelings can be hurt. Like that's a thing. So, but I can't, I can't imagine going a whole lifetime feeling like, okay, I can't truly express myself. And then you're put in a relationship situation and you're expected to be regular. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) obviously I'm not going to be great at this because I don't have any practice. So like, you're just practicing with people when you're meeting them and dating them and stuff. You gotta learn the language. Like if you don't know how to communicate, it's like, you know, toddlers get mad and frustrated because they don't have the words to put to their feelings yet. And so, you know, if we never like encourage people to develop emotional language to talk about their feelings comfortably, Mm -hmm. then it's, you know, it's- You're gonna get tantrums. You get tantrums. <laughs> you get tantrums. I mean, literally, like I tantrumed this week, like, you know, because I was having trouble expressing my, you know, and she's just like, what's going on with you? I'm like, mm, I'm what's the real food. problem? <laughs> yeah. And I think I did like at the beginning when he said, we're all uh, relationship amateurs. Yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. liked that because it's like, yeah, yeah I don't think are. anyone's like doing this on a professional level. Hell no. <laughs> and I hate when people feel say that like though it like you've been married forever. I mean, luckily, I mean, every day you never know what's coming your way. So I'm never looking at it like I've got this figured out. I've got the remedy. This is what you need to do because it's way more nuanced than that. You know, my baggage isn't Chris's baggage, isn't your baggage. And we're all kind of working around what we've got and trying to make, you know, the best choices we can so luckily I have been I've been lucky enough to be in a situation that has lasted but it's not because we're doing because we're so much better or we're doing we've got the remedy we certainly do not you know like we're just making the choice every day to try and to like you say yeah. like 
make time for each other, but also we're good apart. You know, like he, I won't say lets me do this podcast, but he knew that I was like looking for a hobby, looking for something outside of being a mom, outside of being um, a wife. And, you know, he's a, he's a master hobbyist. My husband, you, you bowl, you play chess, you, you like, he does everything all the time. And I'm like, man, I like hanging out with my friends. <laughs> like men, men cannot hang out with each other just to get together and have lunch and talk. Like there has to be a shared thing that you're doing. Like, that's just the golden rule. Like you, you can't look into each other's eyes. You've got to like bowl while you do it. Like, it's like, right. So you've you got to have a hobby. You got to have good, clean fun. You got to have good, clean fun as a man. And I would also add to that, like, don't think you're special either. Like, you know, everybody's got their own baggage. But, like, I always thought, like, I just remember admitting to my best friend at the time, like, I don't feel worthy of love. And that was, like, the most, like, shameful thing that I could possibly think it was my deepest, darkest secret. And, like, once I got to therapy, I realized literally everybody feels that way most of the time. Like, it's, I was not special. Except cat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she has her moments. I'm teasing. Like, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> we all well, have moments sure. of self-doubt, you know. I I just think you know. We, I always did feel deeply deserving avoid, of love. <laughs> they they <laughs> will avoid therapy just because we think this or that, and like then you get to therapy and realize it's all BS. Because it's so it's it's a human yes. it's a yeah. human thought. You know, it's very highly human, but we always make ourselves so unique. It's just us. It's just us. We're the only one. And so it's like, yeah, you can climb down from your cross that you've whittled for yourself and just relax. Like everybody feels like this. It's totally, you know, normal. Yeah. And I think when Life's you can hard. put it in that context, <laughs> it's hard for everybody. Like nobody's out here nailing hard. it. And you know yeah. what else is too? Why a lot of times I probably haven't necessarily struggled with this particular issue. It's because I'm realizing now this was always a big theme on Star Trek. Like throughout of it. Yeah, I've watched Star Trek my whole life. Seriously. It's, it's a huge Star Trek. Again. I bring everything back to Star Trek. Either Star Trek or Rick and Morty. And I did it. It always You're this such episode. a nerd. Big time. Yes. You, Our listeners you really know. are like you you are like like a nerd. Yes. Like a you, nerd you, nerd. You, a did real you, life. did you did you like date those nerdy white guys in high school because they took you to board game nights? Oh god, I wish. No, like I didn't get to do stuff like that. No, I wasn't really um, like all that dateable in high school. Like it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> we you need there's a place on Mass Ave that just has board games. Oh, I you know. should go there cousin, and you'll meet you'll meet a man. My cousin does a board game podcast. Like I come from nerds. Okay. We're nerds. <laughs> we're just a, we're nerd like they're adorable fantastic my son he nerd. was so sad when he was little because his um sister like his half sister called him a nerd she's older and he looked up to her and she was he was so hurt and i was like babe you are a nerd like <laughs> like don't let that hurt you though everybody calling you a nerd now is gonna work for you one day like you winning, yes boy. like you're yeah. out of here i was like you know who else is a nerd me you know this is a nerd your papa I was like, yeah, we, we're nerds out here. You better don't try to deny it. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, that's true. So, yes, you're, you're right to it. observe. I'm in uh, the listeners. know they've been around. They know <laughs> not news to them. <laughs> it's adorable. That's what I love about her. But that's honestly, this is why I fuck with Kat, because to me, you know, to just lean into being yourself and like so apologetically it's like this is dope i love that i love anybody like that so nerd or not like if if i recognize that in you i 
I love it. I think that's fantastic because it can be it's hard to do, but it's 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 so nice being around people who are like that because they're not like sucking the life out of you. But like everything like that's hard, to, like everything that's hard to do eventually gets easier. Yeah. Like it's like you never it never yeah, gets man. easier. You just get better. At whatever, whatever the thing is, like whatever, if it's it's hard and it, it'll stay being hard, that's why everybody doesn't do it. That's why, you know, if it was easy, it'd be like going mm-hmm. to McDonald's like I did earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. You it was a failure. That. It was a personal failure. Been desperate. It was desperate. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, it's a failure. And then one time you get good McDonald's. It's it's No, even joke. the good McDonald's is a failure. Like I'm trying to like eat yeah. right. Like there's nothing good about going to McDonald's. Like, I don't need you sending me a menu of how to put chicken nuggets on my hamburger like your pot. Like, just make the hamburger good. So they're, they're not. Gross, it's not good food, but it's on your way to everywhere. And it's it, the, yeah. today. It was better than Jeez. the feeling of hunger. Sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not near home. I'm so far away from home. I couldn't even uh, find a place pro tip. Order everything without salt. They have to make it fresh. That I, I, I was also trying to be on time for this, so I couldn't pull into the little <laughs> it's like, ma'am, could you pull up to right? I'm like, I was trying not to do that. I'm like, give me them old ass fries and that wilted hamburger <laughs> so I can technically have calories so I won't be in a bad mood yeah. <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yuck, but that sandwich that they're trying to put out there now, the land, air, and sea, or whatever <gasps> oh. bullshit that is, that's so nasty. They give you a chicken sandwich, they give you a fish fillet sandwich. No, and they're put them back <laughs> no. in a in a Big Mac or something, and you're supposed to smush them all together. And it's, it's just make it good. Just make the food good. <laughs> like when I was a kid, it was good. It, or were I you can't. a child? I used to vomit it. I remember my mm. mom like made all of my meals except for on Fridays. If I was good, she would take me to get a happy meal. And I would finally <laughs> she put two and two together. It's like this girl's vomiting every Friday. And she was like, oh, it's this stuff. But she just made me stop getting the nuggets. I just started getting the burgers. But you remember how the old McDonald's nuggets used to be, right? Man, as soon as they weren't hot anymore, they were like rocks. Yeah, <laughs> they, they used like to rocks. be like, it was real sus. I don't think they were real chicken. I think that like came later. Whatever it was, my body reject. Opened it was like a hot dog, it. a battered hot I dog. I had that with long, five years old. I I projectile vomited from Long John Silver's and I've never gone back. Oh, you, well, yeah. Like I think Long John Silver's. Oh, no. I don't even know if that exists anymore. Fast seafood is already just a problem. It's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. I think they like had fried shrimp at White Castle for a while. I was like, nope. nope, I'm good, fam. I'm passing (laughs) on that one. So, no, no, no. All right. Well, Kat, is there any part of this book that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about, or Chris? Is there anything we missed? Because I feel like, you know, let me look at my notes. We've been been around the block. I know we talked about the hero's journey and cleanliness and kind of like the fear of change or whatever. And you technically Um, beat Dion. This was a better book than Milk in My Coffee. So you won again. You won again. You. Yeah. yeah, you're winning. <laughs> I'm competitive, so that's all I care. I know. <laughs> I know. So that's the thing. I think I. Um. Oh, there was one thing that I did put up pop in here that reminded me of because we went to um Catholic school together, Neamoni, oh. and uh, we used to always have to say the prayer of Saint Francis every morning. And do you remember? It was, uh, do you remember? Yes, it? I do. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. I don't remember it. Where there's hatred, let me so love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. And where there's sadness, joy. Father, I ask that I may not so much <laughs> seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, and to be loved as to love. For as in 
for uh, forgiving that we are forgiven and through something we're born into eternal life. I ah, got it. It got messy there at the end. But I like the part where it's in forgiving that we've forgiven. Because like we're expected to, we want to be forgiven because we're obviously imperfect, but sometimes we're so stingy with that, that we don't. But every time I forgive somebody, I know I'm actually forgiving myself. That was a cool Hannah line. Like, you know, you can't get grace if you don't allow yourself to make mistakes. Yep. That part. Yeah. And I, 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 like I yeah, I wanted to touch on that. So, yes, that was it. All right, Chris, what about you? Anything else from the book that we didn't talk about that you wanted to pop in? No, there? I think it's it's a great book. It's the one I've recommended the most to people. I, <laughs> I think emotional health is highly underrated mm -hmm. and anxiety in our culture is exalted. And I think it's a huge mistake and you don't have to live anxious and scared and upset. Like you read this book just as a good, you know, it's really well written and it's an easy start. But, you know, get some therapy, get your life together. You only have right. one go around, like amen to <laughs> right? that, and be good to yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and give yourself yeah. a break. Give your, like you said, give yourself a um, a break. I like, and I wanted to kind of close it off with, um, I like the him him talking about building community and doing work that makes you feel good because that was one of his goals in his book was to kind of like create this company and create a culture that lacked that anxiety that you're talking about and that people pleasing in it be in a space of true authenticity and that resonates for me um, as well. So I just, I just wanted to make sure that I encouraged our listeners to do that as well because life is already hard. So try your best to be involved in things that you love to do and be around people who lift you up and build you up and make you feel good. Cause that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're talking to Chris. This is why we want to have these kinds of conversations. So um, yeah, you guys stay encouraged. It's rough out here, but stay encouraged and Hopefully you guys can check out this book. Should we rate the book real quick, Kat? You want to rate it? Oh, shoot, I found it. I forgot to Do give you a rating. I'll, I'll just be normal. Five stars. Because this was this is the other thing too. This was our first book by a white man that we were. <laughs> I should have. I should have come up with something man. clever because I wanted the first white man to be Tucker Max, but that's okay. I'll. Go you ahead know and what? Let it be the Donald other Mango. book that. The other book that totally changed my life was Mate by Tucker Max and Jeffrey Miller. Did you ever listen because, to his podcast, The Mating Grounds? Yes. The Mating Grounds well, changed my... Uh, it, I listened to it at the same time I read this book. And like in the aftermath of Scary Close, I listened to that podcast and realized, oh, if I want to be attractive to women, I need to make myself attractive by doing things that are attractive, like eating right, exercising, being, being useful. smart. Being <laughs> useful. I never thought I was an intelligent or creative person at all till like 2015. And it was like, wow. then when I started to accept that, I was like, oh, this is why I'm attractive because I'm funny, I'm this and that. Like that that book, Mate, I, I recommend it all the time. Like it's You have the to come back for that today. one. Cause I've been, okay, I wanted to do a Tucker Max book for a really long time. And I've actually it's never great. read that one. I just read, I just listened to the Mating Grounds. I read like his it's fratire good. stuff. And of course yeah. he was really obnoxious, but he's a good writer. And then yeah. that made me follow him. And I did. I learned so much about men just from listening to him. Yep. It's a great book. Yeah. I didn't even know who he was. Full disclosure, guys. You call, so. Whenever we discuss him, she's like, who's that white man that you're always who's telling me to read? Talking about? <laughs> yeah. I can't and I always know who she means. I'm like Tucker Max. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. actually copying, you know, how they had like one like beta guy that they were like trying to help. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? Helping Joey or something. I'm doing that on my podcast about podcasting. I'm finding a guy and like doing a nice. like the sort of sim something similar because I loved that concept. They were like, 
he, he'd come on and be like, well, I didn't text her back. What are you, an idiot? And I've actually become like friendly with Jeffrey Miller on Twitter and, oh, and interact with him because of that. Yeah, so he's he's a really interesting guy, too. I like people who are really trying to help people, like humanity. You know, like, yeah, like just help these guys out. Usually relationship advice is given to women. So I like it when like yeah. good practical dating advice is like, men, you do some stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we can get together yeah. and maybe like each other. Yeah. Okay, well, women. It was just like women don't like you. It's not that they you're the nice guy. Oh, they, they don't like the nice guy. No, it's because you're a piece of shit. Uh, stuff. Oh, we cuss <laughs> on here. Cuss it's here. A fake we ass. Okay, make love. yourself not a piece of shit, and women will like. <laughs> yeah, you. there you go. We're pretty easy, so yeah, 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 it doesn't take much. Like the bar's pretty low, but I would give this. Um, I'll just do a uh like uh three point five stars, because it's well written. It just wasn't for me. Cause I'm like I'm already doing this. That's fair. <laughs> it's like I'm already nailing it, it's guys. Like killing it I out here. So yeah. But I would probably yeah, like I a would, five for I men. Would. A five for men. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think if I had to rate it, I'd give it probably four point five. I'm trying to think. What's the widest thing? Uh, I don't know. Like a tip of the hat. No, you can't do it now. You could have been. Oh no, because we're not releasing this till April. Because it's like kind of near St. Patrick's Day because I feel like that's a very uh, white holiday. Um, so like to, you know, like 4.5 shamrocks or leaves or something. You can do that. Okay. I'm giving we'll see. It the, I'll I'm probably edit it. all this out. Um. <laughs> well, then the whitest thing you could do is a Hitler salute to it. No, oh! don't put that on white people. That's just fascist. We are. We, our listeners are the oh. nice white people. Um, <laughs> like nine yeah, whiteness. Like, just, you know, like, like Stephen Colbert white. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Not like master race. No, gotcha. no, yes, no. No Tucker Carson <laughs> stuff. Like just regular, <laughs> regular, regular yeah. white. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh what is uh, oh shorts? Because I read I did read a book by this one guy. Oh, khaki shorts. Khaki shorts, yes. I give or it khaki, four and shorts. khaki shorts. Because yes, yeah. that was one of the things in a khaki. book I read called With Pockets on the Side. Another shout out to book stuff white people like. Do black guys not wear khaki shorts? Mm. I mean, they probably do, but it's do not cargo, not cargo shorts. No, not, jean yeah, shorts, not, mm, jeans, real stiff shorts, ones, probably. Yeah. If they wear, yeah, <laughs> those are real, real stiff ones. <laughs> the real big stiff ones. Yeah, yeah. But like, you're not really gonna see a whole lot of black dudes in shorts for real. Not really. That's interesting. You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. they may wear basketball shorts, yeah. but never basketball like, yeah, shorts, but never yeah. like just like yeah. casual, like but going to brunch, brunch shorts. shorts. No. I wear golf shorts a lot. Yeah, those are brunch shorts. Yeah, you're not going to see black guys in in that, Mm -mm. apparently. No, not so much, no. Yeah, they're worried about their knees. (laughs) So... (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot there, but this was really fun. Thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time and input, and we really, really appreciate it. Like, we have a better podcast because of you. Well, thank you. It's been a, a pleasure and a lot of fun. Yeah, man. All right, guys. So I guess right now we'll take a quick break and then Kat will come back and spin the wheel. All right, guys. Welcome back. We're back from the break. Ah, so relaxing. I had a, I had a fantastic time with Chris. That was really, really fun. What a delight. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Chris. We appreciate your time. And um, like we said before, he just gave us some really solid advice at the beginning of us um, starting the podcast. So 
we just wanted to shout him out for that. Also, I didn't even give him the, you know, like at the end of Hot Ones when it's like, this is your time. This is your 30 seconds. Shout yourself out. This camera, this camera, this camera. So I didn't give him that. So you guys, you know, obviously he's on the Pat Down with Miss Pat. He's got some other podcasts. We're going to leave all of his links for his stuff across social media in our episode description. And we have to spin our wheel, guys. See what the hell we're going to talk about for next time. So how about we spin it? What is it? What it's, is it? It's a fakester. It's just uh, gonna be whatever we feel boom, like because okay. Listen, reading is hard. Reading is hard. And um we've done a lot of it in the last couple weeks. So we we're gonna have. take a break and have a fake ass episode. So it's I'm like spring really sure. break time. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, is there anything else we wanna add before we get all the way out of here? You got anything? I mean, I never get to express everything that's in my heart. So I'm used to just giving up before everything's out. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. I think we've, I think we've been pretty (laughs) thorough. That was a long episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. it. Thank you again for hanging out with us. Um, And I guess we'll just leave it right here. Yeah. Come back next Wednesday. We love you guys. Peace. Bye. Before we go, we must give thanks to Urban Nerd for providing our music. Buzz Viral Marketing runs our social media and legal services were handled by Trazen A.M. Atkins. If you like what you heard, please feel free to join us every Wednesday for another fake-ass book club. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys for listening. You can check us out at thefabpodcast.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening right now. We want to hear from you. Come put it in our life. Thanks again, and until next time, peace, love, and the Fake Ass Book Club. We out.